Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 83 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Today, my guest is John Stiff. He is a senior designer and illustrator out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, working with Ultra Creative. John grew up in a sport family, but by the time he was 10, you know, 10, 12 years old, somewhere around there, he was designing logos and patches for people. John is fascinated with art history, and that's really where he connected with design and illustration. John has had an incredibly diverse career, from working on seasonal home decor, being a designer at Hallmark, designing balloons for Mylar and Balloon Companies, screen printing, indoor display design, and now food packaging. He has done it all. John also talks about the struggle that he faced going from a seasonal style of design to that hustle and rush of the agency and studio life. We get into that and a whole lot more in this episode, so let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, John Stiff. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, John. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks, Dave. Um, Are you ready to go? I am. I am. Awesome. I'm ready to rock. So I'm going to dive right in. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Well, my name is John Stiff. I'm a senior designer and illustrator with Ultra Creative in Minneapolis. Uh, I grew up across the river in St. Paul, and that's where I live now. Um, I've had a colorful career so far doing everything from screen printing to seasonal home decor design. Um, I did a stint at Hallmark Mm -hmm. in Kansas City. Um, I worked for a a Mylar balloon company here in Minnesota. I've done store displays and now I'm doing food packaging. So uh, it's like the Johnny Cash song. I've been everywhere. (laughs) Colorful. I love the way you describe that. Um, So Hallmark, like you were the greeting card designer. Yeah, I worked in, um, I was in um, licensing, kids licensing. So it was, um, it was cards and I did a little bit of gift. So I would do some ornaments and things like that. So, Mm -hmm. but it was a lot of fun. Uh, There was a, a great, I mean, talk about a, an amazing um, collection and collaborative of, of designers and artists there. They're just, they're amazing. World-class mm-hmm. people. So funny story about Hallmark, and as soon as you mentioned um, sort of gift items as well, every year around Christmas, they come out with the Hallmark ornament sets. Like it's a continued series of ornaments, right? Yes, Yeah. they so, do. So every year since I was maybe seven years old, my mom has got me whatever new car. I can't remember the name of the series, but the car. Um, sometimes it's a truck with a Christmas tree in the back, but it's always a car or a truck of some kind. And I get that for Christmas every single year, even now. Even now. That's great. I actually know a couple of designers that um, that work on those projects down there still. So That's cool. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> Fun. Colorful for sure. 
Um, so John, I want to dive even a little bit further back into before you were in this design career and ask you about your childhood. What was your childhood like? And do you feel that you had a creative childhood that led you down this career path? Well, I, I grew up in the seventies. I'm, I'm an older designer now. Um, (laughs) and, uh, we were, we were kind of a, we were a sport family. So I, I grew up playing hockey, football, and baseball. Um, we had no artists per se in my family, but, um, my dad was a volunteer for the local rec department and he did a lot of posters mm-hmm. for them. And I, I was actually quite amazed because he would, you know, lay these posters out with pencil and marker and, and, um, it was, it was really kind of intriguing to watch and he did such a great job with them and he was never really, you know, an artist in the traditional sense, but that was kind of his way of, of um, contributing his art, I would say. Um, I had an opportunity to create patches and logos for the rec department uh, when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then, so I guess that would, that would be my first venture into design. What age um, was that around? I was probably, you know, 10 or 12 at the time. So it was a lot of, you know, hand lettering and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I mean, they had to be pretty simple because they were, you know, they were stitched patches. So they yeah. had to be pretty simple, but um, it was a lot of fun actually creating the lettering and, and really trying to figure out what's going to work or not work. And um, yeah, so I would, I would do that. And, um, and I've been drawing and coloring as far back as I can remember. Um, and even when I was, when I was younger, whenever I was homesick from school, my dad would bring me a coloring book and crayon. So it was, it was always around and always encouraged. Got it. That's so cool. So 10 or 12 years old, you're designing logos and patches. Yeah. 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 It was, it was fun. It was, it was, um, you know, it was interesting when they would come back from, from wherever they were manufactured. And a lot of times it wouldn't turn out exactly like I, I thought they would, but, and I wasn't thinking about it in a, in a sense of design, it was just something fun that I was drawing. So definitely. So from that through high school, when did that creative path really kick off for you? Was that during high school and art classes or something, or where did that start? I would say, I mean, like I said before, I was doing this since I was young and um, kind of noticing, you know, junior high and high school, you know, art classes. But honestly, I didn't really know what I could do with it. The you know the term commercial artist was always floating around back then, probably in, you know, the early Mm eighties. And I didn't really understand or know, or probably never heard the term graphic designer, um, until I applied for college. And, um, and so I would, you know, I would notice, you know, Jersey logos and want to create them. And, um, I spent a lot of time drawing, you know, doing letters and, um, logos and things like that. And Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, some of the influences that I had, you know, going into college, you know, would be um, Cassandra, uh, the, the Normandy poster, you know, the big, the big ship coming at you. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, those, that was kind of my first foray into something that was really appealing to me. It was very graphic and very bold and I loved the lettering on it. Um, and the WPA posters of the thirties, um, Japanese matchbook cover art. Um, and I'm really a big fan of mid-century modern you know, industrial design, things like that. So, um, but, you know, I, I, I guess I would say, you know, my earliest influences would probably have been, you know, sports and things like that and seeing logos on jerseys and stuff. So. Got it. So what was the moment then that you really first started noticing design out in the world? Was there one specific moment or something that you saw? 
boy, I'm trying to think of something that would be specific. Um, boy, I can't, I really can't pinpoint anything, Dave, directly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but I would say that, you know, it's, I think it was always in there and then trying to understand or, or coming to the understanding that, um, you know, graphic design was different than illustrating and drawing, but mm-hmm. I could also, I also understood that I could combine the two. Um, and so in, I guess in college when I was, you know, doing projects or working on posters or things like that, um, really just kind of coming to grips with that, um, you know, that, that, you know, the items that I mentioned before, you know, the kind of the 1930s, really bold mm-hmm. looking items. Um, and so I think kind of being exposed to that, maybe in art history class, um, you know, those were things that kind of re- resonated with me then. So you, you saw it, you knew about it and you just, there was a period in time, you know, around those posters and that art history that you were mentioning where it really clicked off and it was then defined, yeah, I would say that. And even even people now can recognize, you know, uh, there are certain things that I really kind of gravitate towards when I'm doing my design work. And, mm-hmm. it, and I would say that those are definitely an influence for me. That's great. So yeah, in, in that art history, you had mentioned, you know, there's the Cassandra poster, um, Japanese match uh, book cover art, um, and some items like that. Is there one of those that stands out as the most influential design of your life or maybe something else? You know, I think, uh, I think influential, um, probably near my senior year in college, I started to become aware of Duffy design in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were, you know, they were, they were kind of kicking out this throwback looking stuff that looked really rugged and, and, you know, kind of blown out and, and, that was something that really um, spoke to me as far as I really like this. This is really cool. I want to, I want to do stuff that looks like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you go back to you know, when Charles Anderson was um, working with Joe Duffy and, and those two just kind of bouncing stuff off of each other and the work that was kicked out from there. Um, it was just really gritty and really bold, you know, big black line stuff good colors, but they were toned down. Um, those kinds of things just really, really spoke to me. And so those are the things that I still surround myself with today, especially in my office or in my home. Mm-hmm. Definitely influential for sure. So you're a poster collector then up on the walls and uh, posters. Um, I actually have a lot of game boards and things like that. So it kind oh, of, cool. you know, um, you know, post-war and even pre-war, um, um, wooden game boards you know kind of they call them bagatelle games but they're kind of tabletop pinball games mm-hmm. there's some just great graphics again on there really simple really bold stuff and then of course there's the post-war things that are you know they're printed they're litho printed and you know there's great stuff with you know airplanes or or sports or anything like that 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 um, really just kind of tell a story so those things are are, are in my office and in my home so i really like how you said that you know the storytelling pieces Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well said. Um, so was there a designer or a brand that you look up to and closely follow for some of this stuff or the stuff that you look up to now? Um, what about them do you like? Boy, I mean, it's it really is kind of all over the board. I think um, there are, you know, like I mentioned, Duffy, 
and things like that. But Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, um, you know, with the, with the internet now, it's just so easy just to, to go on and just kind of cherry pick things that really appeal to you. Totally. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Hatch Showprint out of Nashville. I really like that. That's their style. And, and just being in and around the, the ink and, and, and those kinds of things. I've actually never been there, but just, just seeing that and having been in print shops before, it's just, it's something that's very appealing to me. So their style, um, there's also another site called Brave the Woods. They're, again, it's very, it's very graphic, but very childlike. Uh, DKNG, they're out of LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very bold, uh, simple graphic uh, type of look. Um, and Gary Taxali, his illustrations, I, I love those. Again, they're kind of, they're kind of a throwback, but they're yet they're very modern. And again, he tells a story, of course. And then there's local, some there's tons of local great design, but um, there's a screen print designer um, uh, shop that stands out. It's called Aesthetic Apparatus. Hmm. Um, that they do great poster work, and um, and Charles Anderson still does some cool stuff. And it's it's it seems to be more commercial now. Um, but it's still really fun and bold and, and really playful. So those are the kinds of things that I, I, I enjoy looking at. Oh, those are some great ones, John. Only a couple of those had been mentioned on the show before, so I'm glad you pointed out some of the other ones. Yeah, yeah. And screen printer and printing, you know, you're speaking to my heart there. I'm print guy at the core. Yeah, yeah, It's it's it really is fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Taking something from screen to tangible is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Something about it. So, John, I want to ask a little bit about your design process. You may not think that your process is super unique or different than others, or maybe you do. Um, But tell us about your process and what makes it yours. Um, I'm I'm assuming that a lot of designers probably say the same thing, but it it usually does start in my head if I'm I'm speaking with someone or we're getting a download here um, at work. Mm -hmm. Usually, you know, ideas start spinning up and generating in your head and you can actually, you know, see the images and, and you really want to jump down and start putting them on paper as quickly as you can. Um, for me, it's, it is that, uh, images do pop up and, and just, you know, getting started is, is very exciting. Um, here at ultra, uh, you know, I would go, um, surf the web. I have, uh, fun Pinterest boards that I, I peruse for styles, for mm-hmm. illustration styles and things like that. And, and again, a collection of design and illustration websites that I, that I dig into and gather ideas and inspiration from. Um, when I was working, um, doing um, the seasonal gift um, product design uh, job, a lot of times it would be out in the field. So we would go shopping and kind of look and see what, what other stores were um, displaying and and we would kind of take inspiration from that too so mm-hmm. um and so once i've gathered all that stuff i'm i'm a pencil to paper kind of guy and and i'll start there and um depending on what it is if i'm if i'm creating a character i will try to draw him up as as close as i can to what i need where i feel comfortable to put him um into a digital world and start building him from there mm-hmm. um and usually when I'm drawing, I try to get up and away from my desk here at work. We're, we're kind of cubicled out. Um, so I like to get up and get away. I like to stand up. And um, I'm usually using a, a technical pencil and some really soft lead. And I'm really just kind of just really trying to get loose with it and just 
trying to explore the papers, explore mm-hmm. the page and, and just get the sketch out and get it going. So just kind of getting up and away from, from my space really, mm-hmm. really helps. So, so once you've got that character sort of sketched out on paper, how do you bring that character into the digital world and what tools are you using there? Well, um, I am using my main, my, my main gun is, um, illustrator. I do use Photoshop. Um, I do have a iPad pro with an Apple pencil and I jump on procreate here and there. Um, but I haven't, I I've done a couple projects on, on procreate on the pad. Um, but I'm still kind of leaning towards uh, paper and pencil. It just feels more natural to me. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, you know, you got, you know, undos that you can do so many times um, where you don't have that luxury with uh, pencil and paper. <laughs> True. But um, uh, there's just something about, you know, having something tangible to be able to, you know, draw it out and redraw it and, and do an overlay and draw it again. I don't mind that because it helps me kind of rework it a little bit. And, um, you know, again, I know that you can do that um, through the, through procreate or sketch, but um it just, for me, it just feels a little bit more natural to go that route. So, and then I'll, I'll either scan it in and, and bring it in that way. So, yeah, it's hard to replace, you know, the friction of the pencil on paper. It's exactly. hard, hard to recreate that. Yeah, sure is. Um, so John, the next couple of questions that I have for you, take you down part of your career where you've maybe made some mistakes learned some mm-hmm. lessons um, and those stories I really want to pull out for the listeners and you know, share you know, the feelings, the challenges, and how you got through them. Sure. Um, what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it, huh. cha- why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Sure, sure. Actually, um, I've been here at Ultra for a um, little over four years now and coming here was a big challenge for me. Um, this was my first agency job in 30 years of working. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I've, I've worked in all these other places and they were an agency driven. A lot of times they were cyclical or seasonal. And so there was, there were expectations and there were calendars and things like that. So you could kind of plot things out and plan things out and, and kind of pace your work out a little bit where mm-hmm. here it was really run and gun from day one. And um, it just wasn't something that I was used to. Um, I have no problem working under pressure, but it was just the, the variety of work that was coming in and that was constant. You know, one day you're working on project A and you'd push that out to get approval and project B is coming in and then project C is coming in and then project A may or may not come back to you. So you have no idea what's coming, when and where. And um, the turnaround times can be pretty quick. Um, but I, I've got a lot of support here, um, from, you know, my immediate, uh, go-to guy. And, um, and I was also given a project that actually helped, um, kind of, I don't know, I guess, push my talents and my individuality forward in the eyes of of the company. And, um, I was able to do that project. It was an illustration project. It was for uh, their breaker pages for a client, uh, for a proposal. Um, and I was just able to do illustrations and characters and lettering on there. Um, and it was seasonal. It was for Halloween. 
And being able to do that, um, I just pretty much had carte blanche to do what I wanted um, stylistically. And it was a lot of fun. And it was freeing. And there was a timeline, but it wasn't, you know, turn it around by tomorrow. Um, so that really, for me, was really freeing and really showed that, you know, I'm bringing a whole different set of, of talents here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that really kind of helped put me in um, a good spot here at Ultra. That's cool. So your way of getting through that challenge of going from the, um, you know, seasonal working environments into the studio or agency environment, um, what was the lesson in sort of how to get through that? Boy, it was just, it was just persevering. Um, Mm. Really, it was just trying to push through um, and, and using the people around you when you could, you know, we have great account people that were really super supportive and, um, and just knowing that you can, you can jump in and, and try to push a little bit faster and a little bit harder. You know, I think the work suffered at first mm-hmm. until I could kind of catch up with the speed part of things. So um, I feel like I'm at a good balance now and in a good spot, but just really sticking to it um, was something that I just had to, to work through. So definitely no that's a great lesson no persevere that's the word that yep. i really pulled from that persevere persevere yeah um so john now i'd like you to take us to a story about um a design or a specific project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result and what mm-hmm. that was like and how did that feel um mm-hmm. maybe it was a, a boardroom pitch that just got slammed down on your fingers or something mm-hmm. i was uh one of the jobs I worked at was uh, with a, a Mylar balloon company here in uh, the southwestern part of the Twin Cities metro. Um, and if people don't know what I'm talking about with the Mylar balloons, they're the the metallic foil balloons that you see at the grocery store or mm-hmm. at the floral shop or anything like that. So there's a company that actually – there's a few companies that actually design and manufacture these around the country, and one of them is here in Minnesota. Um, and I was there, and it was, a, it was a great place to be. Again, a lot of uh, fun – illustration styles and, and really trying to change it up in a, um, again, a seasonal way of working. Um, part of our job as designers is that, you know, we had to design for the shape. So if, you know, trying to design on a round balloon per se, you know, you, you got to make sure that your design is hitting the hot spot of the balloon when it's inflated. So it's going to mm-hmm. look much different when it's flat. For sure. So you really have to pay attention to where those things are going and how they're laying out. And because when they're inflated, it's going to look completely different. Um, one of the ones uh, that I struggled with is I was trying to create a, a winter polar bear character. And um, I, what we would do is draw these out, and then we would actually use Mylar film in the side of a, a regular iron, uh, you know, that you use to iron your shirt. You know, so we would use the thin, you know, quarter-inch edge of the iron iron to seal the two pieces of foil together yep. and then we would inflate them to see actually to test it if it would float and it, it had to test out to float at um you know a higher elevation like in denver per se so where the air is thinner it had to it had to float for a certain period of time and there was weights that we would hit, attach to it etc mm-hmm. so i was designing this bear and it just it just did not float it would not float to save its life and i was just <laughs> not understanding that you know, I had all these these little, uh, you know, appendages, you know, his little feet and arms sticking out and and 
the main float area wasn't large enough to support all the other dead weight that was on the balloon. So like the little arms and the little feet and stuff that were sticking out, those were contributing to uh, the weight Some of the balloon. Weight, so, yeah. yeah. So I had to, I had to go back and kind of redraw him and reconfigure him to make sure that his main section was large enough to hold the correct volume of helium to float him and hold him up there. So it, it was a fail at first um, because it, it didn't go past, you know, the, 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 the starting stage, you know, we didn't get mm-hmm. into production of it, but um, because it had to pass that test, but it was a lesson for me and, and really um, designing for that product. I had to make sure that I had, I had float first and, and then anything else going around that would be, you know, just extra added goodies. And, but I had to make sure that, you know, I had enough float to support that. So that was a lesson kind of in, in learning that product and how it, how to design for it. You know, that's a part of design, I guess, that I would have never thought. Like if you have a shape, you put helium in it, it floats. Helium makes things float. Right. But the sort of, I guess, the engineering of that, the design thinking behind that mm-hmm. um, has to be totally different. Yeah, you just it, that's the one thing I learned. You just can't put helium helium in something and it's going to float. There's there's some big restrictions in there and and uh, we had some great um kind of balloon engineers that would really help us, you know, figure that out where we could still get our design across but make sure that it was, you know, functional. So, um yeah, that was a that was a challenge, but it was it was a good challenge and um I learned a lot about how to work with that product. <laughs> that's a great one. Um, what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now, John? Hmm. Um, you know, I think, I don't know if it's a career struggle, but I think one of the things that I have a hard time with is being inspired outside of work to do my own art or do Hmm. something that I really, you know, something I really enjoy. Um, I think sometimes the last thing I want to do when I come home is do more artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've been sitting here doing it all day. And I think what I'm, what I'm looking at is trying to see if there are things that, um, ways that I can use different muscles in a sense of, you know, maybe creating something physical, uh, something tangible, you know, or something dimensional that requires tools or, you know, something completely different than, you know, even maybe drawing or especially being on the computer. Mm-hmm. So I guess in my career, um, that's something I'm struggling with because there's things that, that I would like to do and like to pursue, but boy, at the end of the day, it's just like, you know, the last thing I want to do is, is sit down and do more, do more artwork. So definitely. No, I can see that trying to come home for a change of scenery, but also at the same time, really wanting to stay in that scenery, but just different. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have designer friends and artist friends who are just prolific um, in their outside, you know, art pursuits. And I just, i I'm flabbergasted at how they can pull that off when they're, they're doing that work all day and then they come home and they're, you know, they're working till midnight to make more stuff. So I, I just don't have that kind of energy. (laughs) Got it. Um, John, I'm going to switch gears now and I want you to tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of one that just makes your heart sing. Hmm. You know, I, I, I guess I kind of mentioned it before. Um, 
you know, doing these breaker pages and these breaker pages for, it was for Hershey's and we were doing um, uh, some seasonal presentations to them for Christmas and Halloween. And, um, and so you, you called I, them bra- they, breaker pages, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're just basically, we, we give them a, a, a grouping of printouts. We call it a deck and it's, it's basically just a, you know, a set of printouts that are put together. And so these are basically kind of the title pages between, you know, your, your subjects or whatever. So, Got it. Okay. um, yeah, it was just kind of, you know, illustrating whatever the title was for each of these, you know, sections of the, of the deck. So, um, you know, the, the one I, I created this fun little Santa character that was kind of reminiscent of a, you know, kind of a mid-century throwback Santa, but he had, you know, kind of stylings of today and a, and a fun, you know, bright color palette, but, um, you know, some other, great muted um tones and and just some some fun little effects and then just the lettering was i think probably the most fun to create it was it was all hand done um on paper and then brought in and built out uh that way so um that's something that and i i collect a lot of the work that i do um here and in other places you know it's 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 a I'm pretty picky about what I put in my book and what I keep. Um, there's a lot of stuff I do that people like, but um, uh-huh. it doesn't it doesn't pass muster for me. So, <laughs> um, but this is one of those projects that I really feel good about, and and it got a great response here. And like I said, it's I think it's one of those projects that um, really helped uh, cement my spot here um, and what I can bring to the team. So, it's something I feel good about. Awesome. Um, John, you've made it to the part of the show that's the ask it forward question. I have a question okay. for you from the previous guest and you get the opportunity to ask a question of the next guest. All right. So my last guest was Nick Vargas. He's an illustrator, graphic designer, and tattoo artist. He's been in the oh, tattoo okay. game for over 20 years, um, out of Santa Cruz, California. Okay. Um, and he wanted to ask, how do you keep the good project rhythm going? And his sort of premise to that was as a freelancer, now this can apply to freelance, but also in studio, um, mm. where you complete one project and it's sort of the end of that project. And you sort of go, okay, what's next? And you almost have to restart again mm. for the next project. How do you keep that high feeling of a good project? How do you keep that rhythm rolling forward? Well, I would say I think if uh, I think the previous project, if it's been successful, that's a, a, a big help because you're feeling good already. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing, you know, uh, I work on a lot of licensed um, projects here, so uh, knowing the knowing the license and understanding that, and 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 that really helps kind of keep that that mojo going. If I know what the project is going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, for sure, is is getting up and getting outside for a little bit. Even just taking a fifteen minute walk and and just kind of resetting mm-hmm. um, is a is a good thing for me. I'm also listening to all kinds of stuff um, online, whether it's you know music or podcasts or even just YouTube videos running in the background. It just mm-hmm. kind of keeps things rolling along if if something's clicking. So. Awesome. Um, there's a great podcast you should listen to. Um, I believe it was called The Quickie. 
The quickie, if yeah. I remember, right? I, I think I, yeah, I think I should, uh, I should start jumping <laughs> in on that one. Nice. <laughs> uh, John, what is the question that you would like to ask of the next guest? I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Okay. Um, when you're working, if you listen to something, what is it that you listen to? If it's music, who do you listen to? If it's a podcast, do you listen to the quickie or do you listen to something else? Um, what do you listen to when you're working? Awesome. That is the question I'll ask them. And John, you made it to the end. Awesome. I just want to say thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. It was great hearing more from you, hearing your stories, hearing your, you know, your colorful career. Thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure. It's been, it's been really fun to, to do this. So thanks a lot, Dave. All right. That is the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to today's guest and the stories that John shared. Ladies and gentlemen, you know I'll be back tomorrow. Episode 84 is up tomorrow. Thank you again. Have a fantastic day.